class today is called Sundry and Manifold Changes of the World. Um, it's a year in review for 2015. If you were here last year, I did a year in review for 2014 with the same name. Uh, and last year, I focused a lot on technology and the role that technology is playing in our lives, especially. Uh, <laughs> Uh, especially uh, the, the, our lives on the internet and the, ha the role of the hashtag. But uh, this year, the, um, my subtitle is Are We Out of the Woods Yet? Um, which comes from a, a song by Taylor Swift. And I think I can get the, uh, the audio up at least, hopefully. Um, if not, I'll just stick my mic down here and we'll listen to it. We're gonna, before we start, we're going to listen to a song by uh, Taylor Swift. Um, and all you need to know... Um, the, is the chorus, um, which is, uh, she says over and over again, are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we in the clear yet? Are we in the clear yet? Good. Um, and this isn't the, if you've heard it before, you all know who Taylor Swift is? I mean, come on. She's bigger than Britney Spears. Do you know she's actually sold more albums than Britney Spears at this point? I think even Madonna. Uh, maybe not. I could be wrong about that. But definitely Britney Spears. Um, and, uh, well, she's, uh, she's pretty young. She's like 28, 29 years old. Um, and she came out with this album, 1989 and 2014, but it was a big deal in 2015. And the version that you might be familiar with is not the one we're going to listen to. This is one that she played for a side event at the Grammys, which is acoustic. And I, I not only love it because it's acoustic, but uh, her little introduction that she gives at the beginning. I'm going to play you a song that I wrote about a relationship okay. that I was in that the number one feeling I felt in the whole relationship was anxiety. Um, because it felt very fragile. It felt very um, tentative. And it always felt like, okay, what's the next roadblock? What's the next thing that's going to that's gonna deter this? What's, how long do we have before this turns into just an awful mess and we break up? Is it a month? Is it three days? And so, you know, I think a lot of relationships can be very solid, and that's kind of what you hope for, solid and healthy. But that's not always what you get. And um, it doesn't mean that it's not special and extraordinary just to have a relationship that's fragile and somehow meaningful in that fragility. So this is a song that I wrote with Jack Antonoff and it's called Out of the Woods. Looking at it now It all seems so simple Are we out of the woods yet? 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 Are we out of the woods yet?
quite forget when we decided, we decided to move the furniture so we could dance, baby, like we stood a chance to paper airplanes flying, flying, flying. And I remember thinking, are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods? Are we in the clear yet? Are we in the clear yet? In the clear yet? Good. Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods? Are we in the clear yet? Are we in the clear yet? In the clear yet? Good. I just really wanted you to hear where the source came from and the, the story of how this had to do with some relationship that she was in, which was really founded on an emotion of anxiety and fear, the sort of the, uh, the fragility of, of it. Um, and I'll say more about um, that as a, a source of inspiration for my reflection on 2015. And maybe maybe uh, relates to you somehow, I hope. Um, before we do that, though, I want to pray the collect that... Um, also, the, the, the ongoing time, this is the third year I've done this, uh, twice the second time here and once at uh, my church in Hilton Head, um, and uh, using this uh, title, Sundry and Manifold Changes of the Year. And so this is where it comes from. Uh, let us pray. O oh, Almighty God, who alone canst order the unruly wills and affections of sinful men, grant unto thy people that they may love the thing which thou commandest and desire that which thou dost promise, that so among the sundry and manifold changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed, where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Um, you know, up there in my top three or four favorite colics from the Book of Common Prayer, uh, is the, this is the collect for the fifth Sunday in Lent, so you'll hear it again, circa mid-March, I guess, in church. Um, but r that line, among the sundry and manifold changes of the world, things are constantly, uh, overarchingly changing. Um, and, uh, and yet, there's one thing on which our hearts can surely be fixed. 
Um, and I'll get to that uh, a little bit later, but this idea that the world is, the more that things sort of change, the more things stay the same, really. Um, and uh, well, that is the sort of overall theme when I look at the year in review every single year, kind of like one of my favorite movies is Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life um, until, uh, until you stop coming. Um, and I'll say the same thing every year because I think you need to hear it. Um, but uh, reflecting on the current events of the last year at least. Um, and then as a, as, a, um, as a place of scripture to think about for this year in particular, about are we out of the woods yet, I want to read to you a passage from Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, beginning at the sixth verse. Now at the feast, Pilate used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas, and the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged, is it scourged? I always think on Palm Sunday, am I saying that correctly? Having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Am I saying it correctly? Okay. Um, so crucify him. Um, I think... Uh, we're a lot like the crowds. We were a lot like the crowds in 2000. We're always like the crowd that wants to crucify Jesus, but especially saw this in 2015 in the world and day-to-day life, uh, online and technology, continuing on the theme that I brought in in 2014 especially, but in world affairs and in personal relationships, often asking uh, for him, whoever he is, to be crucified. Um, and so I can understand where, um, where the crowds were, really. I can empathize with them, what was happening at that moment, um, uh, because Jesus had such a different worldview that completely uh, contradicted um, their own. They wanted him to be dead, to uh, remove him from <coughs> existence, to kill him. Um, and so uh, there, I think in 2015, what I saw a lot of was a shouting match. Um, uh, a, um, uh, and also, uh, you, cannot ha- you can no longer have an opinion, really. You, can, you cannot have a, I'm really scared to teach this class because it's so hard to think about 2015 without getting a little bit partisan, you know? I mean, so much, I mean, it's the candidates are coming up for the, the presidential election. I have a lot of anxiety, like Taylor Swift, to stand before you to talk about the world events because half of you disagree with me, you know? And so I try to think about this uh, without bringing in politics as much as I can um, so that you can hear this message. Uh, Hopefully, by the end of the day, you have no idea who I'll vote for in the presidential election because that doesn't matter, you know? I mean, I'm here to talk to you about the ways of the world and and, uh, Jesus Christ's answer and his... uh, death and resurrection. And uh, at the end of the day, I think that there's very little, nothing at all to really do with ideology. Um, and uh, so what I'm going to do is talk to you about more benign kind of things that happened in 2015. 
so that you can take those examples and apply them, say, to um, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, uh, to uh, apply them to NRA versus gun control, to apply them to where you stand on the refugees uh, and whether or not we should accept them in the United States. So the first thing I want to talk to you about that happened in 2015 was interesting was the dress. Do you remember the dress? Golly, I wish I had the visual support. Does it look blue and black or white and gold to you? How many of you see a blue and black dress? Really? That's crazy. This is the first time I've done this. You really see a blue and black dress. Golly, how many of you see a white and gold dress? How many of you cannot even see the screen? <laughs> But you might know what I was talk I'm talking about. Hopefully you saw this in the news. There was this striped dress that was white and gold that went online, and somebody was saying with the picture, well, my friend says that this looks blue and black, but I see white and gold. What do you all see? And it looks like, it turns out that about 50-50 in the world, half the people see a blue and black dress, and half the people see white and gold uh, because of something to do. Uh, if you're an optometrist, ophthalmologist, you could explain this to me. Uh, it has something to do with the way our eyes and brains work. And it became a hashtag, uh, the dress. Uh, and I mean, the, it, was, it was like, uh, do you remember the ice buckets in 2014? I think, I think I brought that up last time. What's going to be the ice bucket of 2015? I think the dress was a lot like that. Um, and the, the world was really divided about, over it. And people got angry you know, online about what they were seeing versus what the rest of the world was seeing. Uh, a shouting match. Uh, crucify him. Uh, he sees white and gold. Um, so what, um, what though were the big topics? I mean, I'll bring them up. I mean, I don't want to just talk, I'll, I'll talk in depth about the more benign things like the dress, but, but what did happen in 2015? What were uh, the, uh, the, the, the big events? Um, number one, you know, continuing is, is terrorism as it relates to ISIS. Uh, and uh, what that has to do with the Middle East and now Europe and, and us as well. Uh, and, the, and the year began with a terrorist attack uh, related to the Charlie Hebdo uh, newspaper in Paris um, where uh, people were killed who were on staff of Charlie Hebdo. And then uh, ending the year on November 13th with another bigger attack, huge attack in, in, in Paris, uh, tragic. Um, and then elsewhere, the day before, I think it was, in Beirut, and a lot of people got upset because Facebook had this thing that I'd never seen before where you can check in if you were in Paris and say that you're safe, but they didn't have that in Beirut. Um, and um, people were like, well, what about Lebanon? Uh, I mean, uh, th th we were attacked uh, too, um, and, and reading into that. And then here in San Bernardino, my gosh, with this couple that... Uh, that, uh, that uh, killed people at the, the husband's um, work Christmas party. And we saw even a female uh, involved in this terrorist attack. And then related to this, like I said before, the refugee, or you might want to call it migrant crisis, and especially Europe, and then the debate that's starting here with respect to whether or not we should allow refugees to come in. They might be sleeper terrorists, you know, who are... Uh, Muslim jihadi extremists, and uh, should we uh, therefore not let anybody in because there's, a, there's this 0.01% chance that one of them might uh, do something like what we saw in Paris. And Russia and Putin, ongoing um, conundrum 
<laughs> and he keeps taking his shirt off. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, the domestic mass shootings. Um, you know, I, for most of you have been alive longer than me, but I've never seen a year like 2015 in terms of the domestic uh, mass shootings and therefore related to it, the, the, the gun debate. Um, uh, should we make it more difficult for people to acquire guns uh, because things like this are happening or not, uh, because it's not about the guns, it's about the people, et cetera. Uh, and then starting this year, the presidential campaigns um, and all that's related to it, and that will carry on, especially in this year, um, where, they, where they will uh, become primary candidates and then the ultimate uh, two, Republican and Democrat. And um, that is going to just take over the news increasingly uh, throughout this year. And then uh, I don't even know how to frame this. I don't even know how to say this without upsetting you. Uh, black people uh, being killed by police officers. Now, some of you, if you hear that, your red flags go up. You said killed. Uh, you know, uh, they, they died, at the black people dying at the hands of police officers. Or some of you will say they're being murdered uh, by these cops. Um, but the, the brass tacks are some people are dying at the hands of police officers. And uh, again, the debates related uh, to that, uh, racially charged, very important. Um, a gay marriage, golly, uh, uh, becoming uh, legalized. Uh, talk about a dividing topic. On the flip side of that, though, uh, we can talk about homosexuality, but let's talk about Ashley Madison, uh, which is the flip side of the coin of the sexuality debate. Go see, this didn't come out in 2015, but uh, very recently. It's very difficult to watch, I'll warn you, if you have the, um, the, uh, the ability to stomach. Go see the movie... Uh, men, women, and children. Holly had to turn it off with, um, who is it? Ben, is it Ben Stiller? Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Uh, I always confuse the two of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Ashley Madison makes an appearance before the, the, the big scandal in that movie, Men, Women, and Children. But it has to do with the role of technology uh, writ large in our lives, in our iPhones, our smartphones, on our computers and also uh, sexuality on both of them uh, in this movie. Uh, I think it's a very, um, the, the diagnosis of what's happening in, in, in our world right now is very good in that movie, cinematically. Very difficult to watch, uh, um, if you can handle that kind of thing. Another thing is the college campus unrest, especially at uh, one of my alma maters, Yale, where I went to divinity school in uh, Missouri. Uh, climate change. Uh, or you might call it global warming, depending on where you stand. Um, or what is everybody talking about? Sometimes it is that warm on Christmas Day. Well, <laughs> uh, and then identity. Remember Rachel, uh, how do you say her name? Uh, Delozel? 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 Uh, who is a, a regional NCAA, uh, NAACP. <laughs> NAACP uh, president of a regional, regional chapter, and um, people thought that, I mean, she was living a life where people thought she was just a fair-skinned black woman. Turns out she's a white woman uh, who is changing her appearance to such a way uh, that um, she, um, for all intents and purposes, regarded herself as a black person. And what that has to do with identity, especially because it came on the coattails of what? Caitlyn Jenner. Um, 
gosh, um, uh, the, um, uh, who, who was, uh, what was his name before? Bruce, Bruce Jetter, uh, the uh, Olympic gold medalist in the decathlon and also famously on Keeping Up with the Kardashians, uh, uh, changed his uh, sexual identity uh, to a woman. And uh, I see a, a connection, at least, between those two. And then there were also... Uh, these twins that were online. It was like the, the gold and white dress and the black and white dress. The, there are these twins who one of them really looks obviously black and the other one looks really white. And people were saying, they're not twins. Come on, you're fooling us. Uh, and there was this huge online debate about it. And they're actually, yes, biological twins who look, they're fraternal and look that much different. Um, and uh, and uh, so that's identity. And then the church. The Pope visited the United States um, this fall. And uh, closer to our hearts, because he's been here before, is uh, Tulian Trevijan, who um, was the uh, pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Florida, uh, resigned after the news came out that uh, not only was he having an affair, but his wife was as well. And and, uh, the fascinating thing about that story for me is the response all over the place with Tullian, people who don't know him. The secular world, secular media wanted to say Billy Graham's grandson over and over again because that catches people's attention on the headlines. He is uh, Billy Graham's grandson. Uh, and that, you know, I mean, you'll, that's clickbait. If Billy Graham's grandson's having um, an affair, people will click on that story. That's what they call it. Um, but uh, in, uh, internally in the church, people said the grace guy. See what happens when people preach grace. It's licensed to uh, da 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 da. Uh, and so there was the debate about that in the church. And then this was interesting to me. Uh, after San Bernardino, uh, this was another thing that people debated about, especially online, was uh, people writing on like social media, you're in our thoughts and prayers. And how, how shallow or empty, for example, they were saying that that um, sounds and it was really just sort of meaningless. Well, I mean, people just don't know what to say, you know, and they want to have something to participate in what's going on. And so they put uh, the people at San Bernardino and their family and friends are in our thoughts and prayers. Um, so those were some, uh, some big topics and events uh, throughout the year that uh, were debated uh, and, and I think split the world along different lines. Uh, and you saw it both uh, online and social media, or if you watch the news, whether it's MSNBC or Fox News, uh, people are sort of saying the same thing, but they vote differently. Um, uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's a shouting match. Uh, and everybody's taking turns shouting at each other, and nobody's listening. And uh, basically, <laughs> like the crowds that uh, wanted Jesus to be crucified, um, uh, people um, would like to see those who disagree increasingly, I feel, basically die, like go away and die, Um, uh, because they can't handle the the opposing uh, point of view. I mean, you know, there was a time, I've heard this said before, and I wasn't alive uh, during then, where you turn on the news and there was just one guy. Who was it? Like Walter Cronkite or somebody? You know, and now there's just, you turn on the, who's sorry? Edward R. Murrow. Edward R. Murrow. You know, somebody like that, you know. And so you, you, and it was a little more unbiased, apparently. And you turned it on, and you had to kind of figure it out for yourself. And now you can just sort of, you, you, you turn on the cable news, and there are 
I was in a hotel, and I swear it had like 2,100 channels. I mean, it didn't really have 2,100 channels, but there was like a channel, 2,100. I think it was in Spanish. Um, and, uh, and so wherever you stand, you know, you can just listen to voices who are basically parroting what you believe. Um, and, uh, and so that's, it's, just a, it's becoming increasingly this sort of heavily split, black and white um, shouting match. So here are my benign examples. Uh, New York Times put an article. Um, I wish, gosh, I wish I had the, the, the visual support for this one. Uh, and they put on Twitter, uh, add green peas to your guacamole, trust us. Did anybody see this? Uh, add green peas to your guacamole, trust us. And oh my gosh, Twitter exploded <laughs> over uh, guacamole, adding green peas. And the picture, actually, I wish you could see it, it has sunflowers and sprouts, too. How New York Times. Um, and uh, the Texas GOP wrote, the at NY Times declared war on Texas when they suggested adding green peas to guacamole and, put, and reposted the same picture. Uh, even Jeb Bush got involved in the debate when he said, you don't put peas in guacamole. And that was reshared, at least in this picture, 549 times and liked 558 times. Someone else, as a sort of satirical joke, said, put Miracle Whip on your New York pretzels, trust me. <laughs> And finally, this other one I saw said, rotten hell, you bastards. So, <laughs> uh, I, uh, a friend of mine uh, last week uh, put on Facebook, who lives in New Haven, which, by the way, if you didn't know, is, is the pizza capital of the world. Not Italy, New Haven, Connecticut. Is the, I think the pizza was invented in New Haven. Uh, they'll tell you that. They, they will tell you. The hamburger, the pizza, the frisbee, the cotton gin, all invented in New Haven, Connecticut. And this restaurant, uh, it looks like their online site where you can select toppings, uh, the Legna wood-fired pizza, which isn't one of the, the big hitters in New Haven, has, uh, you can get vegan pepperoni, vegan bacon, vegan chicken, vegan meatballs, and vegan sausage. And he wrote, how can this be? Um, and uh, I watched it. I mean, I've, I've been involved with this argument for several years. Uh, because if you don't know, there was a time where Holly and I were vegan. And uh, what that means is you don't eat any animal products. You don't eat any meats, and you don't eat any dairy or eggs, nothing. If it has a mother or udders, you know, you don't, you don't eat or consume any of it. We're not like that now. We're not that crazy anymore. That was just for a time. And it was all for health. We wanted to lose weight. It had nothing to do with animal rights. Um, uh, um, uh, but we're, we're now vegetarian, which means we don't eat meat, uh, which is just, you know, I mean, listen, I'm a Christian pastor. I don't find my identity in my diet. Um, I find it in Jesus Christ. And if you gave me a bowl of chili, I'll probably eat it because I don't want to offend you. Um, but, uh, and I'm not going to go to hell for, for eating it. You know, I understand that, but there are some people. I had a roommate, uh, and she broke up with her boyfriend because she was a vegetarian. He was a vegan. He was such a jerk about it. They couldn't get along, but they broke up. <laughs> I mean, I swear to God. Um, and so I've been, uh, this was like eight years ago, so I've been well acquainted with this argument for a while, and I just sort of watched it happen. And I put something up reluctantly. Like, I just, why am I doing this? You know, participating in this stupid argument about diets. It's so 2010, 2012. Um, and, uh, and gosh, I got sort of, I mean, people basically were saying, like, vegans should just crawl in a hole and die. I mean, I've seen that. If you do yourself a favor and Google vegan hating. It's fascinating what people 
say, and you probably feel this way too, um, you know, uh, you're Southerners and, and you like your barbecue. And so um, you think when someone doesn't eat meat that they're, cri they're critical of you. Um, see how self-centered we are? It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with that person's diet. And so I, you know, I participating in that, and gosh, I mean, I was ganged up on because there were like 35 of them and one of me, and I just sort of I contemplated deleting my comment. But uh, anyway, I didn't participate anymore. Um, and also, you know, along those lines, though, the World Health Organization this year said that processed meat is bad for us. So um, I'm just going to stand up here on my soapbox. Um, <laughs> People always often ask me, "How do you, don't you miss bacon? I got to say, I do. Um, I do, really do miss bacon. As um, Jif, Jim Gaffigan, the comedian, says, bits of bacon are like the fairy dust of the food community. Um, uh, but, uh, and then, so, but the thing is, on the, the, the thing that, uh, just as vegans love to, to joke about and hate on bacon, non-vegans love to uh, joke on kale. Kale is the sort of trendy... Uh, thing and so we, wh why do we engage? It's so ridiculous. Why do we engage in this? Like, who really cares? You know, I mean, really. Um, you know, I, I I I don't have these sort of debates about um, what sort of snacks you like versus the ones that I like or whatever. But this, these have to do with deep-seated identity crises that we have around our food, and it continues. And I have felt it in my own life, so that's why I bring it. And it's an example of. I think this relates to Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. I really do. I think the way that we behave around these things relates to Marco Rubio and uh, Bernanke. You know, um, the way that we talk about these things is the same way that we talk about the gun control topics um, or uh, or the refugee crisis. I mean, have you ever read the comments section on AL.com? I mean, really, like uh, on the articles or on Facebook or go to their Twitter site, it's crazy what people say and do. And uh, in the sort of anonymity, they're, they're anonymous in their homes. Uh, and so it's so easy to fire out, you know, die vegans um, or whatever, or on Yelp. You know, if you have a restaurant these days, God help you. I mean, gosh. Uh, Yelp reviews, I'm so fascinated. You see, like, is there five to one to five stars, five being the best? They have bar graphs. If you look at a restaurant, usually it's five bars and one bar. <laughs> Very little four, three, and two, right? And it's kind of like a, a curve like this because people either love it or hate it. They either love it or hate it. Another big one is uh, Reddit, which is just basically a place for all of this. I mean, it, Reddit is, encapsulates all that I'm talking about. It's just a shouting match online, it's all it is. And um, I think that what we're doing uh, here, either uh, interpersonally in the news media or on social media, actually is a lot like, um, do you know who G, uh, Jihadi John is? He's the guy who, who uh, decap he's, he's been killed now by a drone. But he's the one on the, the, the videos who decapitated about seven or eight Westerners, and I think one person from Japan, with a, with a big hunting knife, um, and he's got a mask on. And, uh, and I think that we're basically kind of like Jihadi John when we behave this way, because we've got a mask on, and nobody can really see who we are. And uh, we disagree. With, I mean, this person hasn't uh, you know, killed any 
of anybody directly related to jihadi John, but they represent an idea. So much so that uh, the, the, what he and his compatriots want to do is to just literally kill the person, to execute them, crucify them, cut their head off, off with their head. Uh, and uh, gosh, I don't know, how well are you able to see these things? I mean, that's, uh, that's, um, that's him there, um, but uh, he was unmasked. It turns out he's like... Uh, He's, he was 23, 24-year-old uh, guy who sort of was raised in England. Here he is with a Pittsburgh Pirates hat on. There's a picture of him when he was seven years old, very innocent uh, young boy. I saw a picture of Osama bin Laden in the 1970s wearing bell-bottoms, and it really changed my perspective. Um, and, uh, but so, you know, unmasking the, the, the villain, though, changes things for us because... Uh, He's, he's humanized. You're, de, you're dehumanized and anonymous when you've got this mask on while you're cutting people's heads off. And we're kind of doing the same thing uh, through our shouting matches. I know it's not the same extreme, but it's the same emotion. As Taylor Wood said, the fragility of it all, this relationship, because it was all built on anxiety. And I wanted to know, are we out of the woods yet? Are we in the clear? And that's how I feel. You know, Maybe that's how you feel. Gosh, are we out of the woods yet? I can't stand it anymore. Are we, are we in the clear? Uh, I have an opinion, and everybody, uh, half the world disagrees with me and, and wants me dead. Um, for example, um, you write something online, and you never know what's going to happen to it, especially if uh, it's like sort of an insider group, and, and you think most of the people reading it agree with you. I wrote this article two years ago on Thomas Kincaid. I've brought this up before. I'll keep bringing it up because it's so fascinating to me. The artist, Thomas Kincaid, who, uh, painter of light, who draws these sort of uh, pastoral scenes that are idyllic. And I was criticizing him, but also sympathizing with him because he died of alcoholism, a tragic premature death. And so I wrote this article about how, like, I think I see that his art's related to his death and all this, but people can't see that. They, they, I think they just read the first sentence, literally. They read the first sentence and they assume what I'm going to say because it's a, it's a relatively long post. And then I, it's become, if you go to Google and search Thomas Kincaid, guess where Matt Schneider is? There's the, there's the Wikipedia article, and then there's the Thomas Kincaid company, and there's Matt Schneider uh, criticizing Thomas Kincaid. And so every week I get emails from people who love Thomas Kincaid. I'm going to read you one. And as I read this to you, you know, just think about all that I've said. Think about yourself and the, the sort of anger and fear that you have, you know, um, and, uh, and when people do this to you. And, uh, I mean, this person doesn't know me from Adam. She's just read my article. Uh, and probably hasn't even really read it. Maybe the first paragraph. I'll give her that. Matt, you're an idiot. <laughs> How can you possibly know what the world wants in terms of art? Kincaid's immense popularity is proof that you don't know. His art was ridiculed by people like you who insist that, quote, real art must contain sadness and horror. That's ridiculous. Every artist wants to be appreciated for their contribution to the world. And it was uh, know-it-all pseudo-critics like you that made Kincaid so despondent. So it's my fault that he died of drug and alcohol poisoning. There is absolutely no good reason to uh, pan his work other than downright meanness. I guess that's your contribution to the world, probably. Um, and so uh, it had her name, her full name, and her email address. And I get to approve whether or not it goes on the comment section. So I wrote her an email. Um, I said, Susan, uh, just got your response to the Kincaid post by, uh, in my email. 
Since it's a relatively old post, probably not many people will read it, but I just want to double check before I approve or reject uh, 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 that you want this posted online and attached to your name. And then I quoted what she wrote. And she wrote back, Matt, uh, thanks for your email. Although I stand by my opinion, I don't necessarily need to share it with your group. Uh, she didn't, I'm, I'm saying that, your group. You know, she said, I'm adding the italics. I would prefer that you not post it, Susan. Well, isn't that fascinating? Because before, I was just sort of this objective, uh, not objective, uh, anonymous, uh, objectified. I was an abstract. You didn't know me. You know, I mean, you probably didn't even know. I live in Birmingham, Alabama. I have two young daughters that I, I love and adore. You know, she'd write me on the street. She'd be like, your daughters are so cute. I love Eden's glasses, you know? Um, but uh, so I wrote her an email, and it totally changed the situation. Isn't that fascinating that we became Matt and Susan and not, Matt, you're an idiot. Um, well, uh, you know, so, uh, gosh, running out of time. So last thought, though, uh, I think this is the last thought I want, is um, with all this said, you know, uh, and take all the big ideas uh, and, and the sort of, the benign examples that I gave you with which to be a lens to view them. And think about this. On Christmas Day, um, there was a tornado here in Birmingham. And uh, you all were here probably, or maybe you heard about it. Um, I've never been in a tornado situation for, before. I'm from California. I did survive the 1989 earthquake, though, um, <laughs> which comes from out of nowhere. There's no warning. It's crazy. Um, but this is even a little bit worse because there is warning, and you don't know where it's going to strike, you know? And uh, we, we, we didn't really know what to do. Uh, and we're in our temporary housing. We just moved, but we were living in this, corporate, this small corporate housing apartment. Our, my in-laws who were sitting there were, uh, were over at our house and our, our daughters, and uh, it said shelter in place. And um, so we, we didn't know where to go. This building doesn't have a basement. So we went in the, the master bathroom, the, one of the few places without any windows, and for 45 minutes to an hour sitting in there, uh, Lori, my mother-in-law, is in the tub with our daughters playing, and we're all sitting there, and uh, we could hear the storm through the vents, and I can't see anything. I, I don't even really know what's going on. I heard it touch down somewhere, and I can hear it, and I thought, I wonder if that's hail, and I thought, dang, you know, does my car insurance have hail <laughs> coverage? And I thought, who cares? You know, I might die right now. I might die right now with my family in this bathroom. I don't care about hail insurance anymore. I don't care about Donald Trump. I don't care about Hillary Clinton. I don't care about Marco Rubio. I don't care about uh, the, the migrant crisis in the Middle East. I just I literally don't care anymore because I might die right now. I mean, I do care now because I'm not in a tornado situation. But in that moment, and just think about that. You know, you're going to die one day. I mean, every single one of you with 100% guarantee, I'll tell you right now, for sure, one thing I can say that's absolutely certain is you're going to die an earthly death. And in that situation, when I come visit you in the hospital room, or it'll probably be Craig Smalley, and that's a better scenario, <laughs> uh, because he's much more affable than I, um, you know, you're going to hold his hand, and he's going to pray with you, and you're not going to care about any of this stuff anymore. And uh, literally, I mean, I've visited so many people on their deathbed, and only once have I engaged in some weird debate about the Nicene Creed, and I thought, what? I mean, come on, really? Like, you're about to die in three hours. You really want to talk about the Nicene Creed? Um, and, uh, and so I, I sort of leave you with that. You know, that's, I ran out of time because of the, the technical difficulties, and um, 
we don't have time for Q&A, and I apologize for that. I really don't want to hear your questions anyway, because they're going to be pointed, <laughs> and uh, they're not really going to be questions. They're going to be quasi-accusations about how I'm getting this wrong. Um, and uh, so just think about that, that, that image of me with my family in the bathroom and the hail insurance and whether or not I have it uh, when we come to the presidential election. Because I'll tell you this. It, it'll, in the long run, I mean, what I thought about Obama in 2008 and what I think about him now, uh, it's a different story. What you think about that person in 2016 versus in 2020 or 2024 <coughs> is going to completely change. Because no matter who they are, I mean, you can't put your stake in one man or one woman in the ideology that they represent, except for one, uh, and that's Jesus Christ. And it sounds so dang abstract when I say it, that just put your, all your trust in Jesus Christ, but it's the best I can give you. And I think that that feeling I had in the bathroom and Jesus Christ really is, is exactly where it's at, um, that, that none of these other things really matter. They're dust in the wind, as who was it, Kansas said, or as Ecclesiastes says, it's all vanity. It's all vanity. And so I leave you as you exit the room with one more song, uh, to ponder if you want to sit and listen as they do the postlude in church, or as you exit, just let it be traveling music. Thanks be to God. Baby, do you understand me now? It's sometimes I seem a little mad. But don't you know that no life can all 